This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. A very accomplished uh, Canadian actor and singer, and uh, very much looking forward to chatting with him. We will also hear after 2 o'clock from uh, Stephen Penny, law professor at the University of Alberta. We'll talk about efforts of the Alberta government to address the shortage of judges, the shortage of Crown prosecutors, and the fact that criminal cases are collapsing as a result of those shortages and the subsequent delays. How are we going to fix this problem? And does it also make sense to prioritize cases? And if a case doesn't have a reasonable chance of a conviction, should the Crown let it go? Is that part of the problem here? We'll get into that after 2 o'clock. Right now, though, talking about the uh, situation the Alberta government finds itself in ahead of its next budget and the tremendous uh, shortfall they're facing, the enormous gulf between expenses and revenues. Alberta is facing a very large deficit, and that's not going to go away anytime soon. I think the NDP government, like its predecessors, have tried to have it both ways. To try to boast about being a low-tax jurisdiction, but also to to remain one of the higher-spending jurisdictions in the country. It's not sustainable. And I'm not sure exactly what the NDP's plan is, other than to hope for the best and wait for oil revenue to come to the rescue yet again. In the meantime, though, are there savings, significant savings, that the government could find? It's no secret that in Alberta, the cost of the public sector is considerable. And that would be a logical place to look. It's often argued, though, that it's, it's unfair to frame it that way because, after all, there's a wage premium in Alberta. Wages are higher here, even still, than elsewhere in the country. So it only follows that public sector wages would be higher, too. But does that tell the whole story? What happens if we look at, just within Alberta, private versus public sector wages? Well, that's what the Fraser Institute has done. A new study they've released today. Joining us on the line is Charles Lamam, Director of Fiscal Studies at the Fraser Institute. Charles, thanks for joining us here. Well, it's my pleasure. Thanks, Rob. All right. So, I mean, the, the title of this study, pretty clear, comparing government and private sector compensation in Alberta. So this sort of takes that issue of, of the wage premium out of it, because we're not comparing Alberta and B.C. or Alberta and Saskatchewan. That's right. And so, Rob, what's really important uh, to mention about our study is that we're looking at similar workers in both sectors. So the the important part of our analysis is that we're looking at all the other factors, we're considering all the other factors that could drive one's wage, their education, their the type of work they do, uh, their experience. A whole host of things can drive someone's wage. But after you strip all of those things out of the analysis, you're left with about an 8% wage premium simply by virtue of working for the government. And so, importantly, on average, what we see in Alberta, despite the higher wages in the private sector, government workers still getting paid more uh, compared to similar private sector workers doing similar jobs. Well, are we able to compare apples and apples? It seems to me there are a lot of public sector jobs that probably don't really exist in the private sector. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. So what we're doing is looking at the jobs that exist in both sectors. So if you look at things like teachers, for example, here's a case where you have jobs uh, that exist that are quite similar in both the private and, and uh, public sector. Other, you know, frontline clerks, uh, you know, liquor store workers, all those sorts of things uh, are types of jobs that exist in both sectors. And, you know, to be to be fair, no two jobs are identical, uh, whether they're both in the private sector or one in the private and one in the public. But we do the best that we can using 
methods that have been established uh, by after decades of research in academia, and we found that our results are consistent with what other people have found, and that is that government workers enjoy a premium when it comes to wages. But of course, Rob, wages are only part of the equation. Uh, we looked at other non-wage benefits too, and that really then begins to draw a very stark picture about an imbalance between the public and uh, private sector. In terms of what pensions... So, yeah, so there's there's a whole host of different types of non-wage benefits that one could consider. We looked at uh, four uh, simply because those are the ones where we have uh, data available to, to make a comparison between the, the two sectors. And we found that whether you look at pensions, for example, there is much greater pension coverage in the public sector. And it's not just that they have pensions in, 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 the, uh, in the public sector. It's the type of pensions. They have so-called uh, defined benefit pensions that guarantee workers a benefit in retirement, income in retirement, regardless of how well investments perform. So in fact, seven out of every 10 workers in Alberta's uh, uh, government sector enjoys this type of pension versus about one uh, in the private sector, one of every 10. So if you look at pensions, there's this, there's this big disparity. Look at retirement uh, age. So public sector workers retire earlier. They take more days off in the year for personal reasons than the private sector. And of course, all of this is against the backdrop of a government sector that doesn't experience job loss, nowhere near to the extent of the private sector. You know, in Alberta's struggling. A lot of Albertans have, have lost their job. Meanwhile, if you're in the public sector, you're basically guaranteed your job regardless of what the economic conditions are of the day. So when you put all these things together, and again, this is just this, the, the, the benefits and, and, uh, that we have data on, it does paint a very stark uh, disparity between the two sectors. That's interesting. And, and, I mean, look, you've been studying this for some time, both here in yes. Alberta and other provinces federally, and I think we see similar trends. Yep. But it's been the case for, for a long time, hasn't it? Yes. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the narrative was that if you work in the government sector, you, you get more job security. But in exchange for that, uh, government workers get paid less. That, and that, that certainly has been uh, the narrative, but it's clear that that is not the case. Government workers do enjoy higher pay, but they also have uh, much more generous non-wage benefits. And so it's really important, Rob, because, I mean, we, we've just talked about the non-wage benefits that um, exist in terms of data availability, but there's so many others. If you just look at things like work, the number of hours people work, you look at maternity leave benefits, uh, sick days, all these things uh, contribute to the overall compensation premium that we see uh, in the government sector. And of course, this is not intended to rail on government workers. It, we, we need to have qualified government employees to do the jobs that we will want them to do. The fact is, though, that their, their compensation uh, packages are just out of whack with the norms that we see in the private sector. And it's really uh, important for governments, particularly, say, the provincial government, struggling with a nearly $11 billion deficit, debt growing fast over the next uh, at least decade, to, to, to get hold of its spending and to look to where it can save money. And here's a great area, compensation costs, for governments to, to scale back. I mean, Alberta, the Alberta government spends 50% of its annual budget just on compensating its workers. So getting uh, the closing the disparity would go a long way in terms of saving the government money and really having no adverse effect 
on the public services, healthcare, education that uh, Albertans value. Right. I think the, the irony is that oftentimes it seems it's easier for governments to lay off workers than actually renegotiate uh, contracts mm-hmm. and, and negotiate mm-hmm. lower wages. But uh, you would think that these unions would rather protect jobs and be, be more flexible on that point. Yeah, and you know this can this can happen over a longer term period. Uh, you know we don't have to uh, cut people's wages and benefits overnight, but certainly having a mechanism in place that better links the compensation in government to the norms in the private sector can over time work towards closing that gap. So rather than having you know the the, the increases that we observe in, in the private sector and sorry in the public sector in recent years, you know maybe either keeping compensation stagnant or, or having uh, a lower reduction year over year will help close that gap, no doubt. But this is a this is certainly a, a major issue. There's so many different components of compensation, so it's not going to happen overnight. But having a government that is uh, at least willing to to take uh, to take action and understand that this is an area that can that can help their bottom line improve the fairness ultimately rob for the taxpayers who are funding these very generous compensation packages remember we have about you know 80% of of workers in the province that are in the private sector versus the 20% in, in the in the public sector so really it is the 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 private sector that is responsible through their taxes of funding uh, these uh, very generous compensation packages in the public sector. Right. So if we're, we're merely talking about bringing these wages in line with the private sector, then the, the argument that government needs to pay competitive wages uh, mm-hmm. in a province like Alberta, then then that would still be the case. Of course. And, and, and no one's, you know, everyone, I think, acknowledges that you need to have competitive pay. You want to attract qualified people to do the important work that needs to be done, no doubt. You know, but the harsh reality is that these compensation uh, packages that we see in the government sector are just so far out of whack with the norms in the in the private sector. And, and look, you know, some people will say, well, you know what, maybe that means that the private sector needs to, to, to catch up to the government sector. And, and to that, I would say that it's the government that needs to look to the private sector because that is where the economic realities lie. You know, the government, uh, in the government, compensation is driven by political factors. It's about how, you know, it's driven by how governments, government officials come together with union leaders uh, to, to, to bargain and, and, and negotiate wages, which are in many cases, divorced from from economic realities, things like how productive employees are, divorced from the market forces. There's no real hard budget constraints in government. All these things are uh, clear and, 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 and important considerations in the private sector. Private sector companies also want to pay competitive wages to attract qualified people, but they have to balance that desire with being competitive in in their marketplace you know they if they if they don't if they don't if they pay too high wages or, or compensation then they risk you know losing money and, and not being able to survive in a competitive marketplace government uh, doesn't have to deal with those same constraints so it's really important for the government to look to where the economic uh, realities lie and that's clearly in the private sector all right, really interesting. Well, people can read more at uh, FraserInstitute.org. I guess, Charles, too, I mean, do, do we know how much, if the government was looking at doing this, can, do, do we have any idea of what, say, a 7.9% uh, across the board, if we were to, to change those salaries, what, what that would amount to? You know, this is an average, and so really what we would want to do is look at the, uh, the premium, the so-called wage premium, 
by different uh, sectors. And so we don't want to apply that that 8% premium for all government workers because some have uh, a great enjoy a greater premium than others. So it's really important to have uh, you know to to, to distinguish uh, the the types of uh, work and 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 the composition of the government sector. One thing I would say though, you know, you know we've talked about 8%, you know, being the wage premium because of the lack of data available in Canada, we're unable to do a complete analysis that looks at what's the total compensation premium uh, working in government. But there has been similar analysis done in the United States, and they find that when you account for wages, the the pensions and, and, and job security and all, and all these other types of benefits, you're looking at nearly 60%, uh, nearly 60% premium for government workers. Now, that's in the U.S., but uh, certainly uh, the overall compensation premium is going to be much higher than 8% uh, in Alberta. Very interesting. As mentioned, FraserInstitute.org. Charles, thanks for joining us here today. Appreciate it. My, my pleasure. Thank you. All right. That's uh, Charles Lamam in Vancouver, Director of Fiscal Studies at the Fraser Institute. 403-974-8255. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.